Welcome back to Je Ne Sais Quoi. I'm Michelle. And I'm Ada, and we're your hosts. Woo! We first wanted to start off this episode by expressing our gratitude on all the love and support we've been getting for our first um, episode. It means the world to us, and we hope you come along this journey with us. We're overwhelmed by the sheer amount of downloads, comments on our posts, even places where people are listening from all over Canada, even in the United States. And shout out to our listener in Brazil. What? <laughs> and some people have given us really nice feedback and certain things they liked about our last episode or thoughts that it prompted them to have. And we're going to share some on here. So the first one is from Crystal, who listened to our podcast on her walk. Thank you so much, Crystal. And she's in university, but she says that she didn't think she even knew what imposter syndrome was before university. And she gave some really good advice that, I think is great for anyone going into first year, like Michelle and I. And she said, imposter syndrome is very prevalent, especially in university. As you're going into your first year, how exciting. Don't let imposter syndrome take away any experiences. Worst case, you have a funny or cringy story to tell five years from now. Best case, you meet new people or experience something new. And I think that's so nice and just a great reminder for anyone going into any new stage of life or anywhere where you may feel out of your element. And the second message came from Marsha, um, who said she did the quiz that we did about imposter syndrome. And she told us something interesting that she sometimes thinks that the people who don't feel like frauds are the ones we should be worried about. And I think this is a really great point that we didn't address in our episode, maybe because Michelle and I feel like frauds so much that we're always just worrying about ourselves. But there definitely are people who are much more confident and maybe overconfident in their knowledge. And I just did a bit of digging and there's actually another syndrome. It's the opposite of imposter syndrome where you think you know more than you do. So it's interesting. So thank you so much, Marsha, for bringing that up. Yeah, thank you so much to all the comments and everything we see on our Instagram posts as well. Our topic for today is about mental health. And this will be something that we'll be talking about throughout our podcast because it's something that is very near and dear to our hearts and something... Ada and I talk about a lot during our own conversations and we thought that it would be a cool opportunity for other people to listen. Maybe you've had similar experiences to us or very different experiences. Either way, you might see yourself feel maybe a tiny bit more normalized or maybe you'll learn something new you didn't know before. But before we get started, um, since our conversations happen organically, we want them to come across as genuine. We don't script anything. So we'd ask 
if you're worried about anything we may talk about potentially triggering you, please check the description box and we'll have a detailed content warning about certain topics that may come up. So I think I'm going to get started with my little mental health journey. And it's funny, when I was talking about this to Michelle earlier, I was saying how journey is a funny word for it because it's far from over. I just embarked on it. You know, we're young. But I think for me, this really starts from when I was a kid. And I just grew up in a pretty normal family, whatever that means. Um, just with a mom and a dad, and I had my two little siblings. And I think it's fair to say that my family is louder and more fighty than the average family. It's difficult sometimes to compare yourself to other families or what other families are like and get an accurate idea because you really see other people what they want to portray and for yourself, you see all the highs and the lows. But yeah, for my family, I I think from my 18 years, I have concurred that yes, we do fight a lot. My parents fight a lot. We're very loud, especially compared to our neighbors. We have lovely neighbors who are quiet and peaceful. And I'm sure they have their own problems with mental health, but it never came through the walls as loudly as I'm sure our screams went to them and I remember thinking so much when I was younger there's something wrong with me I must have anger issues and I think this could be messages given to me from my family from my parents from movies of what kids are supposed to be like in movies a number of places but it's funny looking back because I think a lot of people who know me well now would not say that I'm an angry person. They would maybe say that I'm a passionate person, but I think that's the closest thing that would come to anger because I can, I don't think that's the side I choose put out in the world anymore, but I was pretty angry as a kid. I would have screaming matches with my family a lot. And my mom would often threaten to send me to therapy. And I always took this as like a threat and like I need to keep myself under control so I don't have to go to therapy and I was very resistant until I remember about in middle school I went to the doctor and she was saying to me like she was worried about my weight and that was like funny to me because I guess I was like never really brought up in a culture of worrying about my weight like my family never owned a scale my mom is very um like positive she brings a very body positive tone to her parenting no one in my immediate family had ever gone on any kind of diet or anything like that and yeah but then my doctor was worried about my weight and I kind of looked at myself and I realized that the way I thought about food was not the same way I thought about food when I was a kid. And I would just, I would feel hungry and I would not eat. And I thought that this is just normal. And this may sound kind of weird, but at the same time, I was also like very interested in becoming more 
active and I think a lot of the time before high school I was not active at all so I was becoming active so I I needed to eat more calories to make up for the ones I was burning at cross-country practice or something like that and just wasn't balancing out and at the same time I was also getting really into YouTube videos because I had my first phone and I would watch so many what I eat in a day videos and I would just compare what I ate and sometimes even change what I ate to make it look like the videos. So this whole thing started off very innocently. Like I didn't even notice what was happening. But then kind of when my doctor pointed it out, I did, I wasn't like, oh, I need to change this. I was like, oh, maybe I can kind of keep doing this. Or it was just so, such a strange thing. And I started to really control what I was eating. And it got to the point where eventually I lost getting my period and this is like a weird thing to talk about in a mental health episode because you know that is definitely a physical health and for a lot of people their period is not really related to their mental health except for you know PMS or something like that for me it's been a very big part of my journey so I got my period in middle school and then a few months after I just stopped getting it and I, I thought it was normal because my mom was not worried. She just said, like, for a lot of girls, it takes a really long time for it to regulate. And I thought it would just regulate. But then at the same time, the doctor was worried about my weight. And we realized that the two things are connected. And I was also like, it was so strange because I was learning about this in school and learning about this condition where you don't have your period. But they kind of framed it in a way where this only happens to athletes. And in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm not an athlete. This can't happen to me. And then also I was like learning about eating disorders and kind of in a such a this is the strangest part I think for me I was like so interested in learning about eating disorders this is the strangest thing for me to say I would like watch all these like eating disorder recovery channels and do like projects about eating disorders and I don't want to say I had an eating disorder because I was never diagnosed with one and I think I'll say this next, what happened next, which I think was a big turning point for me. I think it was caught before it could have become something worse. But this is the strangest thing to me that you would think being surrounded by all of this information about anorexia and bulimia and orthorexia and what you do if you think you may have it or you think you, your friend may have it, that like almost fueled disordered eating for me in such a strange way. And I think this is such a problem where disordered eating is glamorized and even eating disorders are glamorized by media and just by the culture we live in. And I don't want to get into too much where all of these mental health things come from because I know there's like all these deeper societal problems of capitalism and fat phobia and all these things. And I, for the sake of keeping this episode to short length and also just keeping us to a kind of conversation Michelle and I would have with each other. So it was my doctor's idea for me to go to therapy. And for me, I was like, at this point, so disconnected. I was like, okay, my mental health is here. I'm stressed about school. I'm stressed about my marks. I'm a perfectionist. And I'm stressed about my family all the time. And then over here on the other end of the spectrum is my physical health. I'm not getting my period. And I'm underweight. And I'm hungry all the time and tired. And 
these were like the North Pole and the South Pole. I'm like totally separated, but they're so connected. And I don't think this is what I understood. So it took me like, I don't know, this was probably like 10 years of my mom telling me to go to therapy. Finally went to therapy and I actually just stopped seeing my therapist during the summer and therapy has been able to help me so much among other things. And I'm happy that I'm able to say this because I think at the beginning of therapy, I was very skeptical it helped me in ways I would never realize. Like, I don't think in therapy, I remember one time, Michelle, I think when I started going to therapy, I was like talking to you about therapy. And I was like, oh, have you ever gone to therapy? And you were like, yeah, I went. But all I talked about was school. And that's not what I needed to talk about. Like, I needed to talk about, like, you'll say what you needed to talk mm-hmm. about. But I don't think ever, like, I barely ever talked about food with my therapist. I would talk about school and marks and teachers that I had conflicts with or things like that. They never talked about food or rarely talked about food or exercise. And now I can really say that therapy has been one of the things that I, I think took me back from the brink of what could have been something like a lot worse for me. And I think my relationship with food and exercise serves me so much better now. And it's like it helps me and it helps my mental health instead of degrading it and destroying it so that's kind of my little story and where I'm at right now it feel it does feel like a bit of an end of an era ending therapy and this is like TMI but I've had my period now for about seven months and I think it's back to normal I know it, it's so and Woo. if you're going through amenorrhea which is when you don't have your period it was like a constant reminder like something's not normal about you and it seemed great like you know not having to deal with the PMS and the cramps and all of that every month I'm sure a lot of girls would um, envy that but it's also I think especially when you're a teenager all you want is to feel normal and I remember sometimes my friends would be like oh yeah like it's like that time of the month and I'd be like oh wish it was that time of the month which is such a weird thing and now like literally every time I get my period I'm so happy that I get my period which may sound strange but it just is to me it's a victory so that's where I'm at right now and that's my little story and there's definitely been other parts of it but that's the general most interesting part well thank you so much Ada for sharing it was very raw and deep and I think a lot of people can take away from that I just want to say that I'm really proud of you and that makes a lot of sense that like you would be happy and like grateful that you can like have your period so I just want to virtually give you a hug and say I am proud of you because I think that's something people don't say enough just that you're proud of someone so yeah thank you Michelle I don't know if I've ever told you that like I've definitely never sat down with you and been like so this is the story of my mental health and this is like you know maybe you should do this with your friends too Mm -hmm. but um you definitely know like pieces of that story so thank you for listening okay so I'll go with my story I guess on my and I want to add this before about saying like oh your journey with mental health it's something that's a lifelong journey and it and it doesn't just stop at high school and now starting university, it's something that will be 
with you as a lifelong thing. And I think that's really important <laughs> to <laughs> recognize. So I would say I've always realized as a kid that I was pretty anxious and would get stressed and nervous about things, but I would never think, oh, this is anxiety. And then I think it was grade seven, which really brought the whole like transition for me. From junior to middle school, like crying home like some days and this being kind of a total wreck. And I still didn't fully realize, oh, this is anxiety and everything. And it kind of got harder for me. It, it came in waves. Like I honestly speaking, I've blocked out grade seven and eight. So like thinking back, I really have to <laughs> dig deep. Yeah, those two years, I rather not <laughs> remember, to be honest. I noticed like that I increasingly got anxious and <laughs> I'm just thinking grade eight, like what was happening in grade eight? And I don't fully remember since I blocked it out. I just became uh, like more of an anxious person. And so by the end of grade eight, what really feels like what triggered it all and then going into grade nine was my parents separation so that really impacted me in a way that I really didn't think was possible and I've really come to terms with that and realized how it it did and um but I, I really feel like when I start thinking about my realization I guess that like oh I have anxiety and this is something that I'm dealing with is in grade nine and I feel like in terms not that things went downhill from grade nine with my mental health but I really realized a different aspect struggled with and so like same with grade nine it was quite an adjustment and I later realized that I have something called adjustment disorder which basically <laughs> hence the name is uh, a hard time adjusting to things and it's something that could be of a struggle sometimes. But yeah, so grade nine was a pretty tough year. Like I managed pretty well and I was really lucky to have Ada and a bunch of other friends. And I think that's something that is really important, like friends and for people to be there. But I think I didn't speak as much about my mental health or like what I was going through in grade nine I think it was later years that I really started opening up and being like yeah this is what I'm going through it's really hard so and then like there were some rough periods in grade nine where I felt pretty depressed as grade 10 came along it kind of got worse and I did get pretty depressed like there were times where it just was almost unbelievable. Like, I was like, am I really going through this? Like, I didn't think I would experience these kind of feelings I feel like you see on TV shows and movies. But it was like, wow, okay, this is something I'm going through. And then I would say grade 11 was... Yeah, grade 11 and grade 12 were not my best years. And I think that's really when the depression hit and... Um, I realized that is something I'm like struggling with and you know there were times where I didn't want to get out of bed 
and I didn't even show up to school. Like, I was really inactive. I have used this before kind of as a metaphor, but it feels like you're drowning and you're underwater and, you know, like you have all this pressure on yourself and it's just, you feel like you're going down and down. But then talking positively and like thinking about the good things when you come out of that and you come out of that state when you're depressed, it feels like you've been lifted out of the water and you kind of feel liberated and that like I felt the highs of that too like coming out of that and that's something really like I feel like not a lot of people talk about like when they're in the, the state and then coming out and that like transition and I, I, I feel like I wish I heard or saw more people talk about that it's a, a lifelong journey and there were times where I felt really hopeless and it felt like it wasn't going to get better but then as time went on and I got help like I I went to see a therapist and it it really did help and there is light at the end of the tunnel so I just want to say to anyone out there if you're feeling really low or in a depression state I have faith in you and you are going to come out the other side And I think one thing that all of this, like over the past four years of high school, too, has taught me with the anxiety and depression, how grateful you should be when you do feel mentally all right and stable and grounded and you feel good because it makes me appreciate more the highs. I mean, also appreciate the lows because there are things that come out of that as well, but to be grateful when you do feel good because that's something just not to take for granted. Um, I thought, I'm sorry. Finny, no, no. No, no, Finny. Finny. Oh my God, sorry. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Phoebe is the dog. Yeah. There's there's a lot more, I feel like, to my journey of mental health. I'm almost blanking on some things because I feel like I choose not to remember. But we will definitely be touching upon different things as the episodes go along. And this is something, you know, as we said before, really important to us and something that's ongoing. And yeah. Thank you so much, Michelle. I think it's impossible for... I either have to touch on every single intuition mm-hmm. of our experiences so far, but I really look up to Michelle because she is so open about her mental health. And I think it's interesting that you say you've noticed you've become more so because I feel like that too. Like when I was going through like the worst part of like really like body image issues and everything like that, I wasn't really talking to to anyone about that. And now I definitely talk about it more. And I think that we're able to have this conversation and even put this into the world for people to listen to shows how far we've come. And yeah, you're amazing. And I love what you say about not taking things for granted. Gratitude is 
such an important part of my life and I know it's an important part of your life too yeah and it makes such a difference on some days it can feel so difficult to think of one thing to be grateful for and then on some days you can think of a thousand things to be grateful for and I love how you say in your story that even today it's not like like you're still going through everything today and I want to say that I am too like before this call we were just talking about and <laughs> last night we were both like really sad <laughs> at the same time like and so it's just funny and I think if you can have this kind of conversation with your friends do it it feels so wonderful so. Mm-hmm. it feels really liberating and to know on like the other end that someone's there for you and like I've told out of this personally, but there's times where I don't know if I would be here today, like the way I am without Ada and her um, ongoing support and just being fully there for me. And there's times where I just think of Ada and it brings me joy. And I often like, so I think there's times the years where I would just be like, Oh, I'm grateful for a friendship or I'm like so thankful for you. And I think that if you've ever thought that and be like, oh, that's so cheesy to send to a friend, just send a text. Because just to say that you're grateful for someone is like such a touching thing to say to someone. And I just want to say, Ada, I'm so grateful for you. <laughs> I'm so grateful for you. And on the note of gratitude, we are going to share some songs that we are grateful for, but also yes. that we turn to sometimes you can really turn to these songs when you're grateful when you're not grateful so Michelle what's your song for this week this week I'm going to choose Motion Sickness by Phoebe Bridgers and it's a song that I I don't remember exactly the first time I like discovered it I think it was grade 10 and it still holds the same importance to me now and I can put it on and it's one of those songs I feel like is good whenever. And there's this one line where she sings, I have emotional motion sickness. And that's something that speaks to me very well. And just the whole journey and feeling down, just having emotional motion sickness just makes so much sense to me that... I mean, that's obviously part of why I love that song, but it, it's just such a good song. I just really recommend listening to Phoebe Bridgers all together. So, you know, I don't know if she would ever listen to this, but Phoebe, I love you. <laughs> um, but yeah, what about you, Ada? What, what song have you chosen? My song for this week is Crazy House by Princess Nokia. And I think I told Michelle that the first time I listened to this song, I was hiding under a blanket with my earbuds in, listening to this on full volume while my family was having an epic screaming match right beside me. So it's a great song. When you're feeling like you need to get out of this crazy house, she says, let me out of this crazy house. So it's great. And um, it's an angry song and it's all that you can dance to it. It's just so good. And it's from Princess Nokia's album called Everything Sucks. And what I love is she released two albums at the same time one is called everything sucks and one is called everything is beautiful and they're both fantastic albums but I think it's just what we talk about in this episode how some days everything sucks and some days everything is beautiful and now you have an 
album for both. And with that, I think we'll leave with saying that we are grateful for you, our listeners. Yes. I, I mean, I wanted to say just congratulate yourself wherever you are. You know, you made it to today. You are here right now listening to us. And you've got this. Yeah. All right. Bye, Michelle. Bye, Ada. See you.